0: This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time, on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. In his book, From Knowledge to Wisdom, our guest today, Nicholas Maxwell, argues that there is an urgent need for both intellectual and humanitarian reasons to bring about a revolution in science and humanities. The outcome would be a kind of academic inquiry rationally devoted to helping humanity learn how to create a better world. For nearly 30 years, Maxwell taught the philosophy of science at the University College London, where he is now emeritus reader in the philosophy of science an honorary research fellow he's also the hello. author of what's wrong with science the comprehensibility of the universe and the human world in the physical universe nicholas w- maxwell welcome to weekly signals hello how Thank are you, you. today <laughs> sorry it's taken so long to get in touch with you how are you doing fine very 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 good and and uh, what what's uh, what's it like in london today are you uh, doing well is the is the sky blue well, we've had a storm, huh? which has, uh,
1: uh yesterday, and there's another one tonight. Oh. So whether this is global warming, I'm not, we're not sure, but um, <laughs> there's been some flooding in oh, Cornwall.
0: No. Well, that's no good to hear.
1: No, I, but, I, but we're I, all right here.
0: Uh, very good to hear. And that. the
1: sun is shining at the moment. Oh,
0: my goodness. Well, I hope it continues. Now, tell us, what, what's wrong with the way uh, that science and humanities are taught today?
1: Well, uh, you summarized it brilliantly, I thought. Um, We've got this uh, long tradition of inquiry devoted to improving knowledge, primarily devoted to improving knowledge and technological know-how, basically scientific and technological research. Um, But if you judge this, uh, I mean, this has had all sorts of wonderful things. I mean, the modern world is only possible because of modern science. Uh, If you judge it from the point of view of its contribution to it makes to the quality of human life, it's actually damagingly irrational, and there have been all sorts of bad consequences as well. Um, If if we take as a sort of very basic idea of rational problem solving that if you've got a problem to solve. You need to articulate and try to improve the articulation of the problem you're trying to solve, and then propose and critically assess possible solutions, try out various possible solutions. Well, if, if we take seriously the idea that the whole point of the academic enterprise is to make a contribution to human life, to help us to, 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 to live better lives, to have a better world, then the basic problems that... Uh, this involves, that we need to solve, are problems of living. In the end, it's what we do or fail to do that that really matters. I mean, of course, knowledge and technological know-how are important in all sorts of contexts, medicine, agriculture, etc. But in the end, it's always what this enables us to do that really uh, helps us to achieve what is of value in life. So if the academic enterprise was rational, that is, it was implementing at a sort of basic structural level uh, these two principles of rational problem solving, it will give absolute intellectual priority to the intellectual tasks of articulating and trying to improve the articulation of our problems of living and proposing and critically assessing possible Solutions, that is, possible actions, things that we might do, policies, political programs, philosophies of life, legislation. And this isn't really what academia does at present. I mean, this is what social inquiry in the humanities ought to be doing. It ought to be primarily, uh, this is the argument, um, engaged with proposing and critically assessing. Uh, possible solutions to our our problems of living, above all, I would say, global problems, Um, problems of engendered by global warming and war and terrorism, uh, destruction of natural habitats, extinction of species, population growth, um, dreadful, vast inequalities of wealth and power across the globe these are the sort of problems that academia should be trying to help us work out how to develop more cooperatively rational solutions
0: to. So, so you're saying, really, that at the moment uh, science and the humanities are irrational?
1: Well, the whole enterprise is, and yes, I mean, the, the, where, where I think things go the most seriously wrong is in connection with social science and the humanities, which... Uh, I mean especially the very the very term social science uh, makes the assumption that uh, the, the, the social inquiry has as its basic task to improve knowledge mm. and uh, in a way i mean it makes even less sense for the humanities to be improving knowledge but that that's Sort of what it has to try to do, because that's the the overall philosophy of, of uh, academic inquiry, the overall idea about what the aims and methods should be, the pursuit of knowledge. I mean, there is a sort of idea that wisdom floats somewhere in the background, but no one really takes that very seriously.
0: Mm. Well, that that makes it an agenda. At least that's the way uh, it's thought of here in the states. That there's a political agenda to any sort of of wisdom of of, yes. of doing something positively for for uh, for improvement uh, is that the way it is uh, do you find that the same way in england
1: there 's a political agenda yeah if um,
0: if you if you 're proposing to, to uh, uh, impose wisdom on mm, on your students mm. are are you uh, do you have an agenda do you have a political agenda
1: well uh um I feel sort of rather trapped by this question okay. because of the, the word politics can mean so many different things. Yes, depending on how you take it, from political manoeuvring, you know, to uh, a serious concern with the the future of humanity. Um, I, w- may I sort of take one step backwards? If oh, I'm sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, because I think i mean there's a very simple question that that could be directed at me, and that is well if um, you know the, the 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 whole academic enterprise is 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 so uh appallingly irrational uh sort of structurally irrational that it uh, fails to to put into practice, as, as the, the whole endeavor, these two absolutely elementary requirements for rational problem solving. How, how on earth did this situation arise? I mean, how, why hasn't anyone noticed? And when did it first arise? And I think the answer to that is that it all goes back to the 18th century. I mean, it's actually yeah. <laughs> going on for a very long time. It it's really goes back to the Enlightenment, I, I, in particular, I think, to the French Enlightenment. I think the, the philosophes of, of the Enlightenment, Voltaire and Diderot and the others, had this wonderful idea that it might be possible to learn from scientific progress how to make social progress towards a more enlightened world. And I think that's a, 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 a wonderful idea, and it's really that idea that has led to the modern academic world. But unfortunately, the philosophes made mistakes. They, they got it wrong. In order to develop this idea, uh, properly, What you have to do is get three vital steps right. First of all, you have to get clear about what the progress-achieving methods of science are. You then have to generalize these progress-achieving methods so that they become applicable to all sorts of other human endeavors besides that of acquiring knowledge or science. And then you have to get these generalized progress-achieving methods into the rest of social life, into our other Mm. human endeavors, into Mm. politics and industry and commerce and agriculture and education, religion, um, the media, the law. Um, Mm. And unfortunately, the philosophers got all these three things wrong. They they got scientific method wrong. They that naturally, as a result, failed to generalize it properly. And they made the disastrous mistake of thinking that what needed to be done was to apply scientific method to the task of developing social science. That is, they thought not that one should try to get progressing, achieving methods into social life. In other words, developing social inquiries sort of social methodology or social philosophy, they thought the thing to do, the first thing you had to do was, was to acquire knowledge of social phenomena. Well, of course, that's important, but it's not really the fundamental thing. The fundamental thing is, how do we go about tackling our problems of living? How do we go about pursuing our problematic aims? Mm-hmm. And the, these mistakes of the made long ago in the 18th century then got sort of developed in the, in the 19th century with the development of social sciences by Mill and Marx and others. And then they got built into academia in the early 20th century with the development of the social sciences and the creation of departments of social sciences all over the, in universities all over the world. And this is what we've sort of inherited from the, the 20th century and the 21st century.
2: To what, to what extent, I- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: And well, I just want to say that I think an absolutely basic thing one has to appreciate about scientific method, which unfortunately natural scientists don't properly appreciate, is that the basic aim of science is deeply problematic, because science has to make a big assumption about the world in order to get going. It has to assume that the universe is, in some way or other, more or less, Comprehensible, that is, that it's such that explanations for things exist to be discovered. Mm. The only kind of theories that scientists ever consider, especially physicists, are theories that explain, that specify some kind of underlying unified pattern in nature, and and non-explanatory theories despite the fact that you could always concoct them and that they would be even more empirically successful than the ones we take seriously if you did, they never get considered. And in my view, what, what actually goes on in science, although scientists tend not to appreciate this, is that the, because the aim, the basic aim of science is problematic, we need to represent it in the form of a hierarchy of aims. And as you go up the hierarchy, the aims get less and less substantial and uh, less and less problematic, and more and more uh, likely to be true. And this creates a kind of framework of fixed aims and methods that are relatively unproblematic, within which much more specific aims and methods, which, which make specific assumptions about th- in what precise way, more or less precise way, the universe is comprehensible, what kind of entities it's composed of, and how they interact. Uh, so, that, so that these much more problematic, specific, Aims and methods evolve as our, as, as our scientific knowledge evolves within a framework of much more unproblematic aims and methods. So, you have a sort of so that science learns about, about the aims and methods of science uh, as we improve our knowledge and understanding of nature. And, and science adapts itself to what we discover. So, there's a sort of positive feedback between improving knowledge and improving aims and methods or improving knowledge about how to improve knowledge. Well, this, in my view, is what we need to generalize and get into social life and into our other institutions besides science, because it isn't just in science that aims are problematic, but, you know, aims are highly problematic in life, and especially the aim of trying to create a better world. I mean, what do we mean by a better world? Most ideas from the past about what constitutes a good world have been either horrifyingly, uh, either horrible or unrealizable, or, or both. You know, if you think of, of, of uh, the awful schemes on the far left of communism or on the right of fascism and all sorts of other ideas, um, it's it's here above all that we need to recognize that our aims are problematic, that we need to represent them in the form of a hierarchy. As you go up the hierarchy, what what we mean by civilization or a good world becomes less and less specific and therefore uh, more likely to to, to be right, um, to be something that we won't want to revise. And then within this a framework of relatively unproblematic aims and methods. We have much more specific aims and methods, which we try to improve and develop as we proceed. And so this is my answer to your question about politics. Yes, (laughs) what I'm (laughs) arguing is that academia should be deeply political in the sense that it is committed to trying to help humanity to create a better world. But it should not be committed to a specific... Uh, political program, or rather all specific political programs are just the sort of things that we're trying to learn about to see whether they work in practice, whether, whether they really uh, f- improve life or, or, or just cause a lot of human suffering. Um, we, we, we need to try and improve our, our political philosophies, uh, our political programs uh, as we live, as we proceed, in the light of partly of uh, uh, of critical arguments and also in the light of experience. In other words, we need to learn about about philosophies of life, political programs, in the, in the sort of way that we, we learn about the nature of the universe uh, in science.
2: Yes. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Nicholas Maxwell, and the book is From Knowledge to Wisdom, a revolution for science and the humanities. I have an observation or a, a question regarding, as you described, the Age of Enlightenment and, and the philosophers, yeah. and and as the, as this moved forward, as science moved forward, um, my my take is that a lot of what we're talking about was filtered through the Industrial Revolution, and along with that came the baggage that comes with sort of a more economically based science community, where they're looking to make profit off of knowledge, and that had to have a tremendous impact on on how we have lost sight of what wisdom is about.
1: Okay. Yes, I, I think there's probably a lot in what you say, although, uh, I mean, there, in a certain sense, there are, there, there are two revolutions that I'm, that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. One is the academic revolution, um, which, which uh, you know, I think actually there are, there are signs that things are beginning to stir in academia and, and in science, uh, partly because of things like uh, global warming, which, which mm. the scientific music, community is desperately concerned about and has come to realize that specialized research isn't really good enough. So, that, so there, there, there's first of all the academic revolution which you know one can despair whether this will ever happen or think well maybe you know it's beginning to happen. And then of course there's the, the human, the, the, the revolution of, of, of trying to Develop saner ways than we seem to be able to do at present. You know, I referring to things like the Iraq War and Afghanistan and to the nine eleven and things, um, and 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 the way we we have responded to it, um, and and I I think uh, that. Um, I mean, I, I, I think you, 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 know, you have a point there, uh, in particular about the second, uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 what's going on in the in the big world beyond academia, and and you see, I think that that some, many people might think that that what goes on in academia is really rather irrelevant. After all, one meaning for uh, of academic is um, beside the point. Uh, <laughs> irrelevant, <laughs> but which, of course, is part of the problem. That, well, well, that an awful lot of academic work does seem to be uh, beside the point and uh, irrelevant. But well, that may, that's partly what I you it, know, partly to do with what I'm criticizing. We, yeah, I mean, and it, it, it should not be like that. It should be highly relevant. And I think actually, what goes on in academia does, if not immediately, but in in a longer term, has an enormous impact on the rest of the world.
2: Well, and and just as we're describing it we're unfortunately so we're short on time and i I apologize for for the delay in getting to you on this, but uh it does seem to me that science and wis science and and knowledge are inevitable in a sense that moving forward now is that in in my mind that inevitability is that going to be enough to get us over the hump in terms of these very very enormous problems of in the environment and and our and a real challenge to stay alive as a species, is that going to be, in your mind, what saves us?
1: No. I mean, first of all, I just want to make clear that the the notion of wisdom that I'm on about uh, includes knowledge, technological know-how, and understanding. It's simply shorthand for something like the capacity to achieve what is of value in life for oneself and others. And that, you know, involves Uh, knowledge and 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 technological know-how and understanding Mm. but i uh, in response to 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 your question I, i think i would put it like this that i think that humanity is faced with two great problems of learning learning about the nature of the universe and ourselves as a part of the universe and learning how to become civilized how to create a good world and essentially we've solved the first problem of learning i mean not that we know everything there is to be known but we've 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 discovered a method for progressively improving our, our knowledge and technological and our understanding, and that's natural science. But we haven't really solved the second great problem of learning. And solving the first problem without solving the second problem puts us in a position of great danger. Because what science and, technologi- and technological research do is enormously increase our power to act. Mm-hmm. And that can have all sorts of good consequences, but it can also, especially if we don't have wisdom, have all sorts of disastrous consequences as well. And really, all our current global problems are as a resu- the result of this. So to go on with our solution to the first problem without solving the second problem is, in my view, a recipe for disaster, and what I'm really arguing is that what we need to do is to learn from our solution to the first problem, mm-hmm. how to solve the second problem. That's really what the, the, the basic Enlightenment idea, in my view, mm-hmm. is. And it's just that the, the, the Enlightenment got it wrong, and we've institutionalized this, this sort of botched version of that great idea.
2: Well, very good. And Nicholas uh, Maxwell, I once again want to thank you so much for coming here uh, to, and joining us here on Weekly Signals. The book is From Knowledge to Wisdom, A Revolution for Science and the Humanities. Nicholas Maxwell, thank you.
0: Thank you very much. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit NathanCallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm
2: Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And this is Weekly Signals.